Well, this month we're looking at uh, some key New Testament texts that get our hearts in that place of thankfulness and gratitude. So today, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at a section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and how our hearts get to that place of gratitude and thankfulness and recognition of God's provision in the face of the other the alternative, which is this worldly thinking, anxiety-producing thinking that focuses on us and our needs. Is anyone else in the room uh, worried about the prevalence of fake news in our world? Anybody else besides me? You know, the echo chambers that are created when you like and follow only the voices that already agree with your perspective, or uh, the manipulation that can occur when uh, powerful companies or individuals are driving the news that we get. Fake news is a scary thing. Well, how do you combat fake news? You go to the source of truth. And you go to the one who created us and made us and tells us what reality is and tells us who we are. And you go to him and you say, Father, help us make sense of this chaotic, confusing world that we live in. And so that's what we're doing today. We're coming to God and saying, we humble ourselves before you speak to us by your spirit, through your word. We set aside our preconceptions, our ideas, all those opinions that are flying around that are just confusing. And now we come to the one who speaks truth. So let's go to him with that expectation today. And these are words that Jesus himself spoke. They're red letters in my Bible that I've got up here. This is Jesus' very words. So let's look at uh, a section here from Matthew chapter 6. And here's what Jesus says, beginning verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That first word is pretty key here. Uh, the first word that we saw in verse 25 is therefore. And a little, a very simple Bible school lesson for you today. As you are seeking to be a student of God's word, as you're coming humbly to God and saying, speak to me about who I am, about my priorities and values, here's a very simple interpretation lesson for you. When you see the word therefore in your Bible, you have to find out what it is there for. Okay, so when it says therefore, it means that there's something that ha has happened in the, in the immediate context just prior to that. So the broader context here, there's a whole uh, three-chapter section called the Sermon on the Mountain. And that's the broader context of the verses we've read today. This is Jesus 
delivering some teaching about values, priorities, kingdom-minded thinking. There's illustrations that he uses in here. There's specific practical teaching. There's the, the passage about, uh, we call it the Beatitudes, which is uh, the, the blessings that come to people who are thinking and living in light of God's kingdom. That's the broader context. The immediate context is a series of metaphors that Jesus has just spoken about, four uh, metaphors that are all pointing, pointing in the same direction. He's talking about treasures, he's talking about your mind, your heart, and he's talking about your eyes, what you look at, and the masters that you serve. And really, in all four of those metaphors, there's two options. There's either a this-worldly focus, or they, there is a kingdom of God focus. And so in light of that, he says, therefore, I tell you this, don't be anxious. Don't fret about some of these very practical things, uh, like you know what you need to survive today. Uh, instead, remember that God is the one who provides for your needs. The other uh, context just prior to that is the example of the, the prayer that begins, Our Father. Anyone ever heard that prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says, give us this day our daily bread. Well, that's the same part of what Jesus is teaching here in the verses that we read together, where you're saying, God, today I'm not going to worry about where my daily bread is coming from because I'm going to trust in you to be the God who provides. I know, Lord, that I don't need to be anxious because you hold my present and my future in your hands. And you're, why should I worry about it when you've got it under control? And so there's that reassurance that God provides for our needs in this life. Uh, at Men's Coffee on Wednesday, one of the guys raised a very valid point. What about when God doesn't provide for the needs today? What about in the face of starvation? Or when there's those who, uh, you know, there's more month left than paycheck. What, what about those times when it looks like there, there are troubles in this life that God hasn't seen or hasn't provided for? And here we're reading a passage that says, uh, don't worry about it. God's got you covered. He's going to provide for your needs. Well, um, that's a very good insight. And I think it fits right in with the immediate context here, where in, in verses 19 through 21, uh, Jesus is saying, you do live in a world where it's a, it's a kind of world where it's a moth, moth and rust-destroying world. It's a thieves-breaking-in-and-stealing world. There are troubles and hardship in this world. There are times when uh, your daily needs are in jeopardy of being lost because, because of the corrupting things in this world, like moths, rust, uh, bill collectors, IRS agents, uh, thieves, in other words. <laughs> things that will cause stress and anxiety in this life. In light of that, where do you put your treasure? Is, is your treasure in this worldly concerns, or is it in, the, in heaven, which is the kingdom of God? And so when God doesn't appear to be providing for your needs, that's a time for you to develop a heavenly perspective. Where you start to say, you know what? It's not really about this life anyway. It's not really about this body, the physical needs that I have. My hope is in a different place. It's not in the things of this life. It's not in the cares and concerns of this life. It's in the God who knows me and provides, and there's an eternal perspective that you're allowed to develop, even when there are very real anxious, anxiety-producing circumstances in this life. 
Well, the, other, the good news, however, is that God does see your needs. He does clothe the lilies of the field. He does provide for the birds of the field. And if he does that, he cares about you. And he knows the needs that you have today. Uh, maybe not all the desires and the wants that you have, because those were continually submitting to him, saying, all right, God, there's some things I want, but above all, I want what you want in my life and in my world. Well, what about those needs as you bring them to him? The good news is that God is concerned about the needs that you have in your life. There's a parenting lesson it took Heidi and I, a few kids kind of learned. We still haven't learned this one. But it's the fact that if we, if, if I as a parent am worried about something, my kid stops worrying about it. Right? So if I am concerned about Aiden keeping his bedroom clean, or getting up in time uh, to make it to school, or you know the, the obligations and, and tasks that he needs to accomplish, then he will stop worrying about that. You know, he'll say, well, I don't even need to think about what time to set the alarm for because dad is concerned about that, he's worrying about it, and he'll wake me up when I need to get to where I need to be. And so then, you know, at a certain point, I as a parent need to start going, is this a good plan? Because I've got enough stuff in my own life to worry about, and we got a whole bunch of kids running around the house, and if I'm going to worry about every little thing that affects their lives, that's too much stress for me to handle. So I'm going to start putting that on them, letting them face the consequences for their own decisions so that they begin to be concerned about the things that impact their lives. The good news is God is, he has way more capacity than I do as a parent. And so when he looks at us, he says, you know what? Let your concerns be on my able shoulders. I can handle it. You don't need to, there doesn't, there doesn't need to be redundant anxiety happening here. If God is concerned about your daily needs, you can start focusing on other things that are more fun to focus on, namely, his kingdom and his righteousness. You can start to worry about things that really matter, like him getting all the glory, and you can entrust all those little insignificant things like, what are you going to eat today? Will you have enough clothing? Will you survive today? Let him be concerned about those things that you actually have no control over. And instead, focus on those things that you can change by your striving and your work and your fretting. Be stressed out about bringing the good news to people who are not hurt. Be, be concerned about giving him more glory than you did yesterday. Focus on his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. There are things that you can change. So I'm not telling you, students, you know, don't even study for the test. Just trust that God is going to provide that aid that you need. No. There are some things that you need to worry about, and he's put that on you and said this is part of your growth and your formation. And so allow him to, to uh, shape you and develop you as you are disciplined. And yet, usually the things that are anxiety-producing, worry-producing, at the end of the day, all of your stressing out you change that thing at all. And if you were to just yield it to him, take a deep breath, and say, thank you, God, that you are concerned about the things in my life and the realities that I'm facing, I trust in you. You all of a sudden begin to make some progress in that area and see him working and supplying what you need. Uh, so, so that's the first therefore, it's in verse 25. If you notice, there's another therefore in verse 31. So that the passage takes uh, a turn here in verse 31. It says, 
therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? Well, what is that therefore, therefore? Well, the immediate context there is the reminder that if God clothes, clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, or you have little faith? It's a reminder that God provides. So in light of that reality, what do you do? Well, you overcome that anxiety by worshiping the God who supplies. And instead of saying, I'm going to fixate on these immediate needs that I have, this stress-producing reality in my life, maybe it's a relational problem, maybe it's a financial need, maybe it's uncertainty about the future, it's direction, it's unresolved conflict that you've got with someone. Whatever that is in your life, a medical diagnosis, and you look at that and you say, I've been fretting, stressing, worrying, and the situation is not changing. The therefore is there in verse 32. Don't be like the Gentiles, that this is what they spend all their time thinking about every day. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, verse 33. And so you overcome that anxiety, not by trying to be the master of your own destiny. That's the American way. But when you do make a decision, I'm going to reject anxiety. So there's the decision, and then there's the follow-through as you go, and, and I'm going to turn it into worship. I'm going to focus in on knowing the God who provides today, spending time in his presence, resting in him, trusting in him to supply. Coming to him for that caring embrace of an able, loving Heavenly Father who knows what you need and is able to survive. And making his righteousness your highest aim, saying, I'm, I'm going to focus on your kingdom above all. And then letting him take care of the rest. Is that easier said than done for anybody in the room? And putting this into practice is not so simple. It's something we grow into, and yet I think as, you, as we see God being faithful and, and supplying the needs that we have in this life, it's those little subtle reminders day by day you know, actually, this is working. It's working when I trust in him. It doesn't mean all the concerns and cares go away immediately. But there's a place of rest and peace in knowing, you know, it's not really accomplishing anything when I am trusting in my anxiety and worry. When I'm stressing out, when I'm trying to be the one in control, there's peace that comes in the midst of the storm when we focus on his kingdom first. And you make it through, and you, and you get to the end of another day, and you go, you know what? I survived another day with God as my source, as my shield, as my provider. And I'm tempted to, as I lay in bed, start to fret about tomorrow, but I'm just going to trust that he's going to be with me when I wake up in the morning to get through another day. And you start chaining up of those kinds of days together, and there's joy and peace that begins to replace the anxiety. And there's a longing for his kingdom and his return that replaces the fixation on this life kind of thinking that traps us in anxiety and worry. Well, there's one more therefore in this passage. It's in the last verse, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's this one therefore? Well, this is right after the teaching 
that the kind of the key verse, definitely the key verse in this section, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, the therefore in this case is that since pursuing God is our highest aim, and since he provides all that we need, don't live in the past, and don't fret and worry about the future. Instead, live for him today. That's really the key verse, or the key meaning of this last therefore in verse 34, is that Jesus is reminding you, you know, you could be a person who lives in your past, and you worry and fret about all the things that you could have, should have, would have done back then. You know, if only I wouldn't have gone down that path, if only I, well, you don't have a time machine, so you really can't go back and fix any of that thing. You could try to layer some good actions uh, to repair some things that you broke in the past, and there's, there's appropriate times to do that. Ask for forgiveness, seek reconciliation, uh, make restitution. So there are some times when looking back can be helpful, but a lot of times looking back is that source of anxiety that we have. Things that I really can't change because it's in the past. Or in this passage, it's mostly future looking. Where's my next meal coming from? How am I going to have the clothing I need? How's my family going to be provided for? Where am I going in the future? And there's a reminder here that when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things are provided by the God who knows and is concerned and is able to provide. So instead, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Does anyone have an amen for that statement? I okay. <laughs> There's enough going on right now today to worry about. And Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, he didn't promise that once you become a Christian, all your troubles are gone. Everything you need is provided. There is nothing left that will ever produce anxiety. In your life, no, he says, in this world you will have tribulation. Here in, in Matthew 6, he says, every day has trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's no promise of a bed of roses, walk in the park uh, experience in this life once you make Jesus your Lord and Savior and accept that free gift of salvation that he provides. The reality is, there's still going to be concerns of, will my family be provided for? Will we have sufficient provision today? Will there be direction? Will there be clarity? Is there an answer? Is there a solution? There is trouble to come to this day, and yet the teaching is that as we seek him first, as we make his kingdom our highest goal and aim, there's peace that comes, there's safety that comes, and there's provision that comes because he is the God who provides. Let's go to him in prayer today. And you know, I want to make it real practical because uh, this is a very practical teaching that, that relates to us in this room. So uh, we stand together in his presence. Uh, I'm going to ask you, if you want to take a bold move and just raise your hand if there is an area of anxiety or worry in your life and you're saying, I, I need to give this to the Lord today in obedience to what we just read. Okay? Now, so you're not alone, look around the room, there's a few other hands up, okay? 
And so let's go to him together in prayer. In fact, why don't you grab hands with somebody near you? And let's say, God, yeah, we're coming to you together as a church family today to trust in you and to put this into practice. Lord, we do thank you that you know our needs. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you are the God who provides. Today, we commit to obeying these words that we've read in your word today. To seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that you know our needs and you're able to provide. There's no secrets from you in terms of our desires, our wants, our needs, the, the this worldly concerns that are very real, the, the troubles of this day that we experience and face. And so, God, you've seen the hands that have been raised today. You see the hearts here in this place. I pray today that you would replace that anxiety with worship. That, Lord, you would turn that worry into trusting you. That, God, as we get a glimpse of you as the king, as the provider, as the loving father who knows our needs, it would cause us to breathe a sigh of relief and know that you're concerned about the things that we were fretting over, we're stressing out over. And then, Lord, and instead, Lord, we would have the peace that comes from walking with you. We'd have the joy of seeing your glory increased in this world and in our lives. And then, Lord, we would see the joy and blessing of, of, of the life of faith that sees you providing for us. And so we come to you with that humility, with that expectation today, all for your glory. In, this, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.